Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Two Girls. And a few thoughts. You look mighty cozy. I sure do. I love when it's nice and cold outside and I got a cute little blanket. But you have blankets all year round, though. That is true. So maybe it has nothing to do with the weather outside and more so with the cozy blanket. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that realization. You like cozy things. I mean, I also really Mm. like cozy things, but I don't need them in the summertime. You do. When? Don't you wear the cozy robe all year round? No, I haven't worn that robe in a while. Really? I actually so got the rid it of it. Your door? This is actually another robe that I had actually gotten on Amazon. Which is the same robe, just in a different color. Much different color. And there's also <laughs> fur on this, might I add. So even this is cozier. A much, <laughs> this is a much snazzier robe, by the way. Much snazzier. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a different robe. It is a different robe. I remember. This was on your Amazon Christmas list last year. Yes, it was. Isn't the purple such a rich color? It's so inviting. It really is. It It really is inviting. And it's Mm. soft. Yeah. And it doesn't feel itchy. Yeah, you should. And then like I have another one that is more so for like coming out of the shower. But it dries really fast. Because, you know, if it, when it's cold, but you you don't want to use this cozy robe because right. it's too thick. So you exactly. want to use a lighter, cozier robe mm-hmm. that is fast drying. And I got that at my oh. local CVS. No way. Okay. CVS yeah. for the win. CVS for, they have like random little finds sometimes that are like, it's like, why do you guys have this? Oh my God. Speaking of CVS, did you see that video on Instagram uh-huh. where Tammy Rivera was talking about her experience at her local CVS? No. So she apparently goes to the CVS near her to like get random stuff like everybody else, you know, right. she's a celebrity, but we all need CVS. Yeah. And or Dwayne was, or Walgreens. Yeah. One of them. And she was racially profiled. At the fucking CVS? At the fucking CVS. Apparently there was this girl working in the aisle and she was in the aisle shopping and the girl's following her around. But I guess she didn't expect for Tammy to respond. But you know how they do. They're like, oh my God, black person over here in the aisle looking at stuff. Are they really going to buy this stuff? So like she's We're, like... This is CVS. This is fucking CVS. Everything is like, what, under $20? Exactly. And poor her didn't realize that this lady was a celebrity. So she's over here stalking this lady as she shops. And Tammy absolutely put that shit on Instagram. So now CVS is all in their feelings apologizing because they need to teach their workers how to respect people. Like just because there's a black person shopping in your aisle and maybe you don't recognize them as you're probably not going to recognize all of the people that shop there. You don't need to just be following this person around. They're a shopper just like anybody else. I, I'm just, it's like, I almost feel like I'm having whiplash because one, when you started telling me this story, I said, I wonder if there is any sort of like, <laughs> could it be possible that this was like a fan who was like, oh my God, this woman is so beautiful. Like I've seen her. No. On, it's like, no, this is just your regular idiot. Exactly. Just your regular everyday idiot racially profiling people in, in fucking, fucking CVS. Apparently she opened a package um, while she was in the aisle and the lady like quickly comes over and says, don't do that. Like she's scolding a fucking child. Like, who do you think you're talking to? Yeah. But Tammy absolutely put them on blast. I'm like, I fucking love this girl, Tammy. Like, like put these motherfuckers in their place. I'm Stop. at a loss for words because, huh? one, it's CVS. Mm-hmm. So the average price point in the store, you have no reason 
to be doing this. Like, absolutely no reason. Yep. The other thing is, I have literally been, not in CVSs, but I've been in Dwayne Reed's in Midtown, mm-hmm. where, you know, it's it looks like a homeless person, someone have walked in, walked out with shit, and none of the um, staff did anything, as they are trained to do, but yeah. even the security guard didn't do anything. So it's wild to me that, on, on average, like, you guys are noticing things potentially. Mm-hmm. that are much more egregious huh? correct and you do nothing and here i am just trying to pick up my i don't know what this girl's picking up fucking face wash little body wash whatever you think that this person can't like afford i mean it's just like mind-blowing right so. it's like literally like we just no kind of common sense exactly like, but i mean racism and prejudice does not operate from a place exactly. of common sense so it's just like Oh my God, do better, people. Do better. Like, y- you can sort of, I mean, geez, I'm I'm floored. I mean. I'm floored. Y- you know what it is? It's, uh, this is our life, right? Like, like oh when, when do people just assume good intentions? And mm-hmm. when do people just say to themselves, you know what? As someone that works in a shop, work in a store, whatever, I firstly need to assume that everyone that's coming in here is a good faith customer right like they are coming in here to shop and uh, like i don't need to think that they're coming here to steal but mm-hmm. anyway i brought that up to say shout out to tammy rivera fucking love her and if cvs keeps fucking around they will be canceled it's not just the lgbtq people out here canceling people Anyone? we will cancel your ass too <laughs> cvs stop fucking around oh my god i mean you know it gotta be real serious when it has to like get to like this point like of like the cvs needing to be canceled yeah it's literally like because we got options we're going to walgreens so. i mean seriously so many options there's also amazon there's Again, also fucking also amazon, amazon. Yo, like, Amazon just be popping up every day. Ev- I'm telling you. <laughs> so many answers. They're the answer to every problem. Oh my God. <laughs> Seriously. It's so good. <laughs> Shout out to Jeff and the Amazon team. Man. Oh, we man. Prime customers and we are loving it. Yes, indeed. So you were talking about this cancellation bit. I'm yeah. guessing we're going in the direction of we've seen Chappelle's latest special, The mm-hmm. Closer. And we have a few thoughts, many thoughts, just a few thoughts, just a few thoughts (laughs) for sure. Yeah. I mean, I just watched it on like what, two days ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I found it interesting. Yeah. Obviously it's a Chappelle special. The man is a extraordinary storyteller, Mm -hmm. comedic genius. We already know this. Um, he engages things in such a provocative manner, which is, why he has gotten himself in some trouble yet again with some of the communities that he was making jokes about. I certainly have certain key things that really struck me in the special, but I just want to say like, it's not that they struck me because I'm like, Oh my God, this is so like out of the world. I've never heard it. It just gave me some things like food for thought, right? Like there's certain points I was just like, "Mm, really? Okay. Um, do I think that I would say some of the upheaval that we've seen necessarily like matched it from my perspective? 
like when I look at the closer, I'm like, he definitely says some very loaded things and I'm going to like get to that in a second. But when you think about the upheaval that we've seen on social media, in the news about people's reaction to the show, I was almost like, oh, you think there was, you would think that there was more. For sure. I think for me, my impressions were that Chappelle has been doing this for decades. Mm -hmm. So the upheaval is unnecessary because we've seen this of him before. Like we've already expressed and registered that some of the jokes are distasteful. Mm -hmm. Some of them are offensive. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that as a society, we've already given him the stamp of approval when one, before he left Comedy Central, the community was so in support of him that Comedy Central was offering him $50 million before he left us all and went to Africa and found himself, etc. And now his fans are getting a chance to continue to support his messages and his specials through Netflix. Mm -hmm. Netflix would not have signed them on for however millions of dollars if the fans did not support his rhetoric and support his messages and his shows. So why then is there such an upheaval? Right. Well, I just want to respond here to one thing you said about when Chappelle like took his hiatus. Mm -hmm. I remember this exact moment. We were in college and I was like, wait, there's no more Chappelle show. Mm -hmm. I remember like being in a space of like, you know of him and wanting to check out his stuff. But then it was like, oh my gosh, I can no longer. Yeah. It is not an option. And it was like, you miss the, in that cycle of like knowing Chappelle and understanding Mm -hmm. his work. Like it was just like, oh shit, it's not available. And I don't know that we were using YouTube and other streaming platforms in that way at that time. So then when he came back on stream, it was just like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. you feel like there was just like a gate of, and flood of like, options and material about Chappelle that I'm like to be able to experience this man's work again Mm -hmm. it was such a gift absolutely and I think the whole world saw that for me it was a little different because you know I've been fresh since I was 16 so I had been watching Comedy Central forever right so I remember his skits with like the crack powder on the side of his mouth, like just really irreverent, crazy, outlandish things that were super entertaining and always had like deeper messages. And the way that he told a story made it feel like you were best friends with him and he's literally just telling you this crazy, funny story Mm -hmm. that happened to him and Mm -hmm. you loved his storytelling skill set that he had. So when he took his hiatus, it was a big loss for the entertainment industry. Yes. And I think anyone that even got a whiff of his brilliance felt that loss to the community of Mm -hmm. entertainment and the comedic industry. Yeah. So with his return, of course, the excitement is there because the generation that didn't really get to experience him as an adult got a chance to see him through the specials and through his appearances and all that. Mm -hmm. So you then fell in love with the same irreverence that he had before his hiatus. Right. You fell in love with all of the things that made him Chappelle. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think we can't then say at this point, given the last special that all the things that we loved for decades now we're saying oh it flies in the face of everything that I believe in yeah because he spoke so offensively about the or quote-unquote offensively about the LGBTQ plus Plus. community Mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, certainly we're not in this we that you're describing, but there's right. certainly other groups of people mm-hmm. who have felt differently. Yeah. So I want to like enter into today's conversation with the utmost respect mm-hmm. and and feeling that and or feeling like empathizing with the fact that I am not of that community. Like I am a straight woman. Um, the way that I'm going to receive the special, like that's going to be different. At the same time, there are people who are also within that community where they don't feel as offended. Some of them don't at all. Like mm-hmm. this is the nature of like just human beings. People respond and relate to things very differently. Absolutely. Um, I think that there are a lot of things that came up in his special, which speaks to some of the things that we're faced with today. So for instance, thinking about how we think about cancel culture, um, you know, I guess respectability, politics, um, freedom of speech, like what is the extent you know, with that, like, where is the space for that in this time? There are obviously also themes of, you know, being inclusive in the sense of respecting other people's lived experiences. Um, he touches on certain stuff with, you know, the Me Too movement that I was just like, you know, it wasn't the highlight of what he said, but there there was something to glean from that. Um even more importantly, or more provocatively for me, was the statement that he made around being t- a turf mm-hmm. and that sort of acknowledgement. And when he said it, I was like, hmm, is this an actual acknowledgement? Is he being provocative? Like, is like I couldn't really, I couldn't really tell if he was saying it to be provocative and to like generate conversation or if he's like this is like really my view I mean and it's Chappelle it it is possible that both of those things are true Mm -hmm. like it is meant provocatively and it's also meant as a matter of fact Mm -hmm. but as we know like that whole idea of a turf is a very loaded loaded conversation community of people I mean I myself like we've spoken like offline about this I have I I'm very cautious and concerned about even having this conversation because you know I am someone who I consider myself um, an ally for you know issues related to the LGBTQ plus community Um, I certainly think that everyone deserves you know quality, equity um, as human beings. And I recognize that there is a tremendous amount of challenges that they face as it relates to, you know, violence against um, particularly trans people and just like the acceptance issues, you know, whether it's by family and friends and the list goes on and on. So I really, I'm I feel like, you know, empathetic to the struggle. Mm -hmm. And so when he said it, I was just like, damn, did he really just say that? I myself, full disclosure, would have learned about this 
turf term a few months ago when, you know, Anthony and I were having conversations about J.K. Rowling, who many consider her to be a turf. I don't know if she considers herself in that way. And upon later research, I realized that in the way that British feminism presents itself, is packaged, however it's baked in, they're very much in alignment with that belief system, like de facto, like that is generally how they practice like their brand of feminism, which I thought to be tremendously interesting. But anyway, I'm going to pause here because I want to hear like your thoughts, your reactions to his statement around that. I think a few things first, right? Um, You mentioned the term turf mm-hmm. and I think for the audience it might be useful absolutely to true true talk through the definition so yep. dictionary.com mm-hmm. explains turf as trans exclusionary radical feminist mm-hmm. an advocate of radical feminism who believes that a trans woman's gender identity is not legitimate and who is hostile to the inclusion of trans people and gender diverse people in the feminist movement. Mm-hmm. I think what Chappelle was talking through is just that in the sense of while he is an advocate for feminism and talked in the special about what he has done for the movement and things that he would do differently to further the movement. Um, in fact, he made a joke about what the feminist movement needs is a male leader, which oh I think was gosh. just that. Just it was a just joke. a joke. Yeah. Um, but I think his point was that these are the things that I would do differently. And this is how I would actually move the movement forward in order to like really see some progress. Mm-hmm. But I think he regards himself truly as a feminist, but as a radical feminist and that it is only about cisgendered women like that's what the fight is about and really being able to to prioritize the experiences of women who Mm -hmm. were born women and have this unique experience that in his mind I would imagine that trans women will never be able to mimic or experience because of the fact that they're not cisgendered for me, I respect that people have different opinions, right? Mm-hmm. I respect that people have different viewpoints. And like you, I want to make sure that we are not offensive in mm-hmm. the way that we talk about Chappelle's closer. Mm-hmm. But I also want to make sure that we are authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's a key part to being able to share your opinions and share your thoughts and all those things, which is the, entirely the point of the podcast. But I think a part of this hesitation comes from the fact that the LGBTQ plus community has been at the center of canceling so many things in our community that we now live in a space of such inherent fear and hesitation over the hypersensitivity of being able to express your opinions that may be opposite or somewhere on the other side of the spectrum that someone else might 
view in, you don't want to run the risk of being labeled transphobic when in fact you're saying, yes, I support the community, but here are the things that I have some concerns about or issues with or questions of, and you don't even feel comfortable to share those opinions because you're like, okay, this community is going to cancel me or I'm now transphobic, even though I'm not expressing anything that's offensive. I am mm-hmm. just simply saying these are the questions that I have. Mm-hmm, like these mm-hmm. are the concerns that I have. Yeah. I want to be able to talk a bit more and we obviously have to like, you know, break certain things down and break it apart. One of them being the cancel culture, right? Mm-hmm. When cancel culture first became or initially became a thing or mm-hmm. more popularized because the idea of it has been around for a while, right? Like when yeah. you think about cancel culture, we are calling out certain behaviors that we consider unacceptable mm-hmm. and saying to these, for lack of a better term, bad actors that you need to adjust and amend because listen, times have changed and this is like no longer considered to be acceptable behavior, right? Um, there are elements of like ostracizing people um, that come along with it because like, I mean, it, from the days of the Bible, people have been shunned for doing certain things. As time has gone on, you know, like cancel culture and how we practice it has evolved as well. So within, I would say, I I could obviously only speak to my experience in this world where people are more conscientious about being diverse and inclusive and where we're having equity conversation and and in these spaces, I feel like the intention around cancel culture was really more of a positive one, right? Mm -hmm. Like we are in a space, particularly let's use the example of like white supremacy culture. We are tired and trying to disrupt certain behaviors that are associated with that. And it's like when you have people that say very outrageous things, it's like, People have to be checked. Mm -hmm. And so there was almost a noble intention with cancel culture. Yeah. I think that what cancel culture has become or it, what it has morphed into is that it has created such a contentious environment in which people can have dialogue and people Mm -hmm. can have debate. Mm -hmm. We are in trying to include more voices in a conversation and trying to lift up certain voices. Cause that's what was happening before. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's actually lift up some of these other voices and like, let's actually be mindful of like the perspectives that are negative. So like in trying to bring more voices into a conversation, we've actually created the opposite of that issue where people now feel like if you disagree with someone, if mm-hmm. you don't have the same perspective, it is immediately like, okay, so you're against me. Yeah. Like you're the enemy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and it now it's very touchy to have certain conversations. And I I do want to say that I think that there is an importance in having sensitivity around conversations that is necessary. Like Mm -hmm. it is necessary to um, approach conversations with sensitivity, with compassion. Like that is a part of the human experience. And as societies of people who have increasingly become more emotional and more emotionally intelligent, that is something that we recognize that we need in this world, in this time now. Mm-hmm. That said, cancel culture now, it's almost like 
it's almost on like fucking steroids Mm -hmm. or it's now like it feels does it feel contrived does it feel like overly it's like there was a point where being woke was Mm -hmm. like we were coming into an awakening of sorts and we were encouraging that but now it's like okay we've gone so far on the other end of the spectrum Mm -hmm. that we're it's proving to be counterproductive yes i think part of it is that uh, while we were creating the space for more voices to be heard we and yes i say we but i really mean they (laughs) they have come into this power that has said, yes, I now have all these voices that I have brought together and lifted up all of these voices. Mm -hmm. But with that power, I know that I can use it for positivity in bringing them together. Mm -hmm. But I also know that on the flip side, I also have the power to exclude certain voices. I can exclude the voices that I don't like. Herein is cancel culture. And I can essentially use my powers for bad. Like, so now I can eliminate the voices that I don't like or that I don't agree with. I don't feel like they align with mine. And now I can take them out of the room. Because now I have all of the voices that I wanted to bring together. And now I can just say, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and delete that comment. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you think about it in the social media sense. Mm -hmm. And with that power, we create this cancel culture and as people see what cancel culture does to them and their celebrity and their businesses etc now it becomes that you enter these conversations with more trepidation right like you really want to make sure that you don't offend because people are very sensitive um you want to make sure that you represent yourself in the best way because you don't want to be canceled Mm mm-hmm and I think that's where Chappelle's rhetoric becomes important because he's been very anti-cancel culture for a long time mm. um, because there's always a threat of cancellation on his part. He says the wrong thing and the folks want to cancel him. But yeah. in his mind, he's like, you know, I've been saying these things for decades. And now in this last decade, the threat of cancel culture is now a part of what people think I should be considering Mm -hmm. when I am creating art or I'm creating entertainment. Mm -hmm. So why is that now different just because these groups have these powers Mm -hmm. that society gave them, social media gave them, someone gave them Mm -hmm. that they now have decided instead of using them for good and bringing voices and different perspectives into the space, Mm -hmm. they're now intentionally excluding certain voices. So, as you said that, I was thinking about how cancel culture has created, I think, certainly much or greater mindfulness, Mm -hmm. right? You've said it, I've said it, about how we enter into spaces, whether those spaces are in-person spaces, whether those spaces are virtual spaces. And I think that this is good. People have an increased sense, people have an increased, um, sensitivity to other people and like being aware of like how this might be perceived however everything in moderation right it's interesting that when we think about the u.s as a place that has always encouraged uh, people to speak up and as a place that encourages freedom of speech 
we are in this battle as we evolve as a society of like how do we continue to like moderate between we want to be compassionate we want to be mindful of all people Mm -hmm. we want to have like honest conversations but now because of like the threat of cancel culture like people literally are then concealing Mm -hmm. in especially in more public spaces how they really feel about certain things yeah so it there is something that is very erosive and erosive in all points of view right because Mm -hmm. it's erosive if if you feel like someone is saying something to you that is offensive that is erosive being able like the entire process of like canceling someone like that in in and of itself is erosive but there's an there's an erosion that's happening between you know just like fellow members of society where you just people are like not speaking the truth which that generally doesn't tend to go very well, but it's like, Mm -hmm. how do we really get into a space where we can truly evolve, Mm -hmm. get into places of healing and all this other stuff. If we really cannot have like responsible, honest conversations about Mm -hmm. the things that are problematic, right? Like if I am constantly burdened with like, if I say the wrong thing, like this is going to happen or that, like how do we then, actually make progress on having better more productive dialogue i don't know at the risk of sounding super negative i think we are so down so far down the slippery slope right now that there's no turning back i think that we'll continue to be an overly sensitive society i think we will continually continue to prioritize certain voices over other voices and exclude the voices that don't align with what we believe and i think cancel culture will continue to be a thing but cancel culture in my mind it's it's a correction of sorts right but mm-hmm. there is something like you can overcorrect mm-hmm and so it's like, then what happens after you've overcorrected? What happens after an overcorrection? I feel like there's some sort of, the pendulum is going to swing in another way. Yeah. But how far is the pendulum going to swing back? Does the pendulum swing us all the way back to where we didn't even feel the need to correct and we just continue to say things that we want to say and or do all of these voices completely be closed off so no one expresses anything? Like how far back do we go? Yeah, I mean, it is a it is a thing that we've spoken about on several mm-hmm. occasions, right? Like you spoke about like feeling like a what'd you say, a conservative liberal or something in yeah, something another like that. something like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um the point the where I'm going with this is that I think of I am very progressive minded. Mm-hmm. However, am I the most liberal thinker in the room? No. Mm-hmm. And in the trend or the trajectory that we seem to be on, like the super liberal, super progressive agenda is now the baseline. Mm-hmm. Or it feels like it's the baseline. Yeah. So if you're not in agreement with what is deemed to be like, let's call it the new normal, mm-hmm. it is then like, not acceptable there is no space for that and you know it's it's funny because i feel like there's certain conservative voices Mm -hmm. who have spoken about this thing and 
and not that I am aligned with that, but I, I see that there are some parallels. So I'm going to use um, Megan McCain, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like on The View, I feel like that is something that she has expressed where like conservative voices, like you feel locked out of mm-hmm. certain conversations sociopolitically because like your conservative views, let's just face it, they're no longer the trend. They're no longer mainstay. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do we then really, we recognize that not everyone is the same. Not everyone is alike. There are mm-hmm. people who are going to be more conservative. There are people who are going to be more liberal. There are people who are going to be more moderate. I kind of see myself in the more moderate space, mm-hmm. but really it is a very difficult position to straddle right now because you might be, you know, you might have like trepidation or cautiousness or just like your own beliefs that are founded for whatever else, other reasons. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you are to express that because that no longer is in alignment with what people now consider to be appropriate, it's like you are the issue. Right. I think it's important for us to find a cohort, right? Which I think feels a little bit different from what we've been taught, right? We've been taught that we never want to be in the room of, only like-minded individuals because then we don't grow like we don't get to see other perspectives Mm -hmm. however while i think that's important i think it's also important for folks like a conservative who might feel left out of the conversation to find their cohort go find the people that have your opinion so you don't feel left out Mm -hmm. you feel a sense of belonging and Mm -hmm. where you can openly express without Mm -hmm. the threat of cancellation because they understand you like they understand your point of view you don't have to be welcome in all rooms that's okay Indeed. Right? Like, that is perfectly fine. As black people, we completely understand that because we've been excluded from so many rooms that we have actually created our own rooms, our own tables, our own seats at these tables. And we have said, you know what, white people, you don't need to be here. And that's okay. Yeah. Right? Like, we have been through that and created the spaces and those safe spaces that we needed to have in order to feel the most comfortable. Mm -hmm. And where there is no threat of cancel culture however we also know that there is some intersectionality happening right Mm -hmm. like we know that you could be someone who is transgendered and black and while you might have those spaces that are black spaces that you feel safe in some of these black spaces may be like a Chappelle that also don't want a transgendered person to be a part of that black group so within that intersectionality like there is some level of exclusion that you might be feeling in that space. But what I like that Chappelle did really well in his special was speak to more of the empathy of understanding the human experience when he talked about that transgendered comedian friend that he had, Mm -hmm. like understanding that human experience and just on the human level of understanding as being more important than your transgender experience. Mm, and it's a loaded thing can i just modify something you said you said like you know with this black and being trans thing it's like you might be excluded from this way i don't know that Chappelle is necessarily saying that Mm -hmm. but i think that in terms of his perspective and to quote him Mm -hmm. he feels as though gender is a fact yes and i don't even know why i phrased it like that he said gender is a fact Mm -hmm. right Um, But we're now in a time and space because of the disruption that is happening with concepts like sex and gender Mm -hmm. that 
this thought process is now considered like you're like you're on the enemy side of this conversation Mm -hmm. right but it's like isn't it kind of like there's a radical shift yeah to use this word very intentionally there's Mm -hmm. a radical shift that's happening and i'm gonna i'm going someplace with this when we initially think about the ideas of like let's say radical feminism where it calls for the radical reordering of society where male supremacy we Mm -hmm. were calling upon those structures to be redefined and restructured it's interesting that turfs who are on this radical per um you know spectrum Mm -hmm. they're not considered to be doing it from a like i don't think that people perceive especially people within the lgbtq plus community it's not being considered as a space of like good intention yeah and like honestly it could be that there are plenty of people within the turfs group of people who Mm -hmm. they might not be out here like being at the end of the spectrum where they're like we hate trans people Mm -hmm. but if you have a fundamental belief that i believe in you know male, female, and a certain ordering that is based on that, it's like the sort of, it's, the the conversation has flipped. Mm -hmm. Like something that used to be considered to be very understood to be, this is what it is, Mm -hmm. is now like, this is no longer what it is. And so if you're still within that previous, you know, school of thought, mm-hmm. it's like you're now, like that version of being radical is no longer what is right. deemed acceptable. Because radical seems to change and mutate over time, right? Because if the radical feminists felt like being radical was about changing social structures and economic structures and Mm -hmm. that at that time felt radical but in a good way but in a good way now the turfs are going okay so my version of radical feminism is that i am only including cisgendered females i am only including what biology is referring to as x gender and y gender and that's it but somehow being the advocate of what is quote unquote the standard or what accepted biology means is radical it means that we have gone so far to the other extreme that what we're saying is that this nuanced type of gendering or nuanced type of labeling is now what is generally accepted and the things that we previously believed are the radical beliefs the traditional beliefs are now radical because we're not open-minded enough to accept all things and all perspectives and the trans community etc which you know to just be frankly in this it, for me, we can't just decide that we're going to change everything, right? Like, we can't just decide that, you know, blue doesn't work for me, so I'm just going to decide that I'm just going to call that red going forward, right? So on some level, we are going to need to figure out 
like how far are we going with this Mm -hmm. right like how far do we erase biology or how far do we erase generally accepted schools of thoughts like how far are we going to go and it doesn't mean that we say that the human experience to quote Chappelle that that human experience is invalidated Mm -hmm. but rather to say yes you have you are having a human experience and that may look different from person to person but it doesn't mean that my human experience needs to accept needs to be that I accept all of the things that you go through it is just simply that I understand that you are having a human experience and that's okay I don't need all the details of your human experience. Yeah, this is a very tough and ticklish one. And, you you know, I feel such trepidation around mm-hmm. having this conversation because it's like you don't want things to be, like, misconstrued, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't want things to be, yeah, you, you misconstrued, misunderstood, lost mm-hmm. in translation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want to be respectful of, all people and voices absolutely but there is a i i can understand and i can get behind the idea that we as a community as a social community the entirety of it right we recognize that we needed to push back on Mm -hmm. the traditional definitions of what it means to be male what it means to be female Mm -hmm. we are seeing that there is an expanded understanding of Mm -hmm. what those experiences mean yeah. As it relates to sex, we rec- and as it relates to gender, there is a variety of different gender expressions. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if if there is a way to really have like essentially both these schools of thought coexist, mm-hmm. which I think it's baked into the mixture of feelings that people have about Chappelle's special like on one side of the the aisle you have people who are like this is like unheard of and and I will say if if I was someone in that community I can potentially see myself being very offended by Chappelle you know calling himself a turf it's Mm -hmm. it's an extremely loaded statement but then on the other side of the aisle it's like here is it you know there are some of us who have decided that sex no longer means this mm-hmm. and gender no longer means this. And unless you can fully subscribe and adapt or adopt, however you want to see that, mm-hmm. this new expanded definition, it's not going to fly. Yeah. There's also another part of me where potentially maybe they're not saying that they want us to accept and adopt all of their things. Like at a point in Chappelle, especially he spoke about his friend. I feel like her name is Daphne, the comedian. Mm, And he was like, he was like, you know, she said, I don't need you to understand me. Mm -hmm. I need you to believe me. Yeah. And I really found that that was so resonant. I was like, you know, Perhaps we think that they're like, listen, you need to be in full understanding of this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, an understanding and belief in this context is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. They, they're just like, I just need you to believe that I am having a different human experience. Yes. And my lived experience looks a little bit different to yours. Absolutely. And that is okay. Yeah. Um, within, you know, this package, 
as a natural born cisgender woman, it's like creating space for other experiences of what it means to be a woman. Yes. And it is a challenge. It is. But you know what this this brings to my mind as you are talking, right? I think about the fact that the challenge here is are we open-minded enough to accept and empathize with a number of different lived experiences, a number Mm -hmm. of different human experiences, understanding that they're all going to be different. And while I may not intimately understand all of the nuances of what your experience is, I believe that they are happening. And I believe that they are happening the way that you say they're happening and the way that you choose to express yourself is a part of your human experience. Mm-hmm. And the expectation is that I'm open enough that I understand that or accept and see and believe that it's happening. Mm-hmm. However, on the other hand, what's happening is that when we express our thoughts, opinions, and beliefs, etc., about the things that we are observing and believing is happening, we are then and not we personally again, Mm -hmm. but we are then said to be offensive or that we are not accepting of. But if we're being charged with the task of being open to seeing these lived experiences and understanding them as human experiences, why then are we not also challenging ourselves to allow everyone to express their opinions, their thoughts and their beliefs in the same way? If it can be done in a compassionate, respectful manner and all of that other stuff, responsibly. I, I don't know. I don't know that they need all of these qualifications. I think if you need to express yourself and you're expressing them however you want to express them in the way that we're allowing for people to also have the space to express their life and be themselves in the way that they want to live them their lives, then why are we not also creating the space for the same in the way of expression? So you're almost saying it has to go both ways? It has to go both ways. Chappelle should be able to openly express what he thinks and feels and what his opinions are, etc. While at the same time, we're allowing these folks... And all of us, not just the LGBTQ plus community, but for all of us to live our lives in the way that we see fit and express our lives in the way yeah. that we see fit. We got to be open to both. Huh? There is such fragility in this conversation around this. And um, I, I really feel like both sides of it. And I and I I myself, I'm like, I, I feel like torn, um, fascinated um very curious mm-hmm. about how this will continue to play out over time. I do want to note though that based on what we know and mm-hmm. understand about the experiences of trans people, particularly how many acts of violence mm-hmm. um are committed against, you know, trans people and other members of their community. I mean and and really like just people from should we call them like disadvantaged groups? Mm-hmm. I like really feel strongly that there is this need for protection, right? For sure. Like we want to make sure that there are safe spaces for everyone. And I certain, I certainly believe that 
they're wanting to feel safe and protected and seen mm-hmm. and heard um, in the way that they know how to, which is like they're trying to like advocate for themselves and, and all the other type of stuff, which is great. But the, you know, in, in terms of their disruption and them redefining sex and gender and all of these things and it's like there is it's like it's a journey for like how we can shift conversations and understandings around what these things mean yeah and I am like god damn like what is the new understanding of this gonna mean because to be very honest like we're both it gets very complex like it Mm -hmm. gets to be very complicated and I'm just like as an adult, I can fully understand and like fully understand meaning I can fully understand complex things if I put the time and thought and energy into being able to like understand it. Yeah. However, I'm thinking about just like if I were a much younger person, like anywhere between zero to 18 and stepping into this new world understanding, like if we can't have conversations that are on either side of the coin like how do we continue to seek understanding Absolutely. in meaningful ways like for me it feels like kind of like a mind fuck it like, is the way that we're going about having these conversations where it's just like here is it that there's the majority let's i'm using that term loosely but i think you know for the majority of the world this is what this thing means mm-hmm. and you have a an emerging group of folks who are like no actually this is no longer what it means for me mm-hmm. and you need to be able to accept that yes and there are folks who feel like it's being thrusted upon them yes and i'm like oh my god how do we meet i don't know in the middle I think that takes time because the pace at which these changes are happening, it's so fast, right? And like we are people who have open and challenging conversations Mm -hmm. all of the time. Right. But to be able to do that means that we also have to be open to having conversations with folks that are different from us, that will have different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And you and I, we're able to do that and happily do that most of the time but there are groups of people that will say no like I don't want to have those challenging conversations I just want to tell you what my new thought process is and I need you to get on board right they don't want to be challenged they don't want you to say you know what this doesn't really make any sense to me help me to understand that they don't have the time because the pace is so fast that the new definitions they want people to be on boarded to them quickly and move on and just get on board and that's just not real life like you need to allow people time to ask questions challenge figure out what makes sense to them and then decide am I going to be on board or am I not and that needs to be okay and we have to create the spaces for that and I think that's probably what my biggest issue with how so much of the world has responded to Chappelle's closer is that 
I think as a creative and as an entertainer, he has always been per- a person that has been very expressive, expressed his thoughts, and in a lot of ways, they've been very different from what most of us have thought, but we loved that about him, and we've loved that about him for decades, and for it to be so challenged now in the way that it's challenged to the fact that there's so many calls for his cancellation, like those things are disturbing because it means that if America is a place, a land of the free where we are able to speak our minds and express ourselves, then how have we allowed cancel culture to take such a hold on who we are as a society? And maybe this is my millennial perspective, right? Like maybe this feels like it's all encompassing and it's happening to everyone and maybe it's not. But it feels like every time you look at something happening in the news or something happening with a celebrity, what is coming out is this person is canceled. Dr. Seuss is canceled. Dave Chappelle is canceled. We're canceling we Eddie canceled Winslow. Dave yet. It's I like, have not. What, what are we doing? Right. You know, what, what are we doing? Everyone's yep. going to be canceled because they did something that we didn't like? Yeah. It's a very difficult position to be in on on any side of the fence. Like the Dr. Seuss thing, I mean, honestly, like it was egregious seeing some of the things that Dr. Seuss would have even written about. And it's like, wait, no one missed this. Like no one caught this. I'm sorry. Like no one, no one at all. But then, you know, the world looked very different. Like the way that he was characterizing, you know, certain groups of people um, in that era, that was like, this is what, what it was. And it just is what it is. Um, Eddie Winslow, it's like, why are we canceling Eddie Winslow? Like, it's one of those things where he can have romantic, platonic, sexual relationships with like any type of human being that he would want to absolutely um you know like we should not be bothered by that yeah but you know should as you say all the time is no real word and there's so many things that we are bothered about where it's just like the eddie winslow thing is one of those stuff where i'm like why is this i wish it would get to a point where this was no longer like news and information it's just like listen let's do what he wants he wants to date a transgendered woman guess what he could do that. So yeah, that's it's okay. completely fine. It's totally fine. Why are we involved? Why do we care? Um. Yeah, I mean, it's this, I don't know, like my my hope and my wish and my desire would just like really just being able to just evolve like how we have conversations. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like as a country, like even when we think about like race conversations, like we have not been able to have like challenging race conversations in very meaningful mm-hmm. ways. And perhaps like this is like the new thing that we're tasked with. Um, I just wonder like how do we as a society more so like truly be able to set ourselves up to have like more productive discourse. Yeah. Like I sure. just don't really know what that's gonna look like I don't think any of us knows but I think this might be a good conversation to continue because the questions that come to my mind is one why do we care Mm. it has nothing to do with us who people date or what they say in their specials whatever we why why do we care 
and yes, I take the point of like we gotta protect these folks that are disadvantaged and less dominant, etc. Absolutely agree with that point. Like these folks that are typically victimized, we have to protect them. But I think it comes back to what Chappelle ended his special with, in that we have to be more empathetic. Mm-hmm. Like we have to get to the point where yes, I don't understand your experience, but I can empathize with the complicated human experience that you might be having. Mm-hmm. And if I can be an ally to you, let me be an ally to you, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we're comedians together and we're in this world together. Let me be an ally in that way. Yeah. I may not be transgendered. I may not be a part of the LGBTQ plus community and I don't understand all of the things that that may come with, mm-hmm. but maybe our intersection is that we're black people together experiencing Mm. what it means to be black in America. And within that intersection, I can be your ally. Yeah. Like let's find those, those places where there is common ground Mm -hmm. and let that be the piece that keeps us together and have us be allies and being able to take each other, take care of each other. And not so much about, yeah, I don't understand these other things about you and I now hate these things. That is just not the way that we create a positive world or even for ourselves, like be able to just have some semblance of sense about ourselves. Yeah. You know? Oh my gosh. It's so like, it's some, it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. Like being in this new world, which is not fully new yet, but being in this we're like doing a shedding of layers of se- of ourselves as just like a human population. And it comes with uh, tremendous challenges um, as we like navigate this space. Um, and I, I, I like, I really wish that we, I don't know, we, we could do it more compassionately, productively, again, that we could hear out both sides more and like this cancel culture thing i'm just like we have to get to a point where we can't live in fear or we shouldn't be encouraged to live in fear about speaking our minds truly Mm -hmm. because you feel like you're gonna be canceled it's like it's so um ironic that again in trying to create space for other people that we have in many instances like created you know such separation and feelings of being ostracized it's I find it to be very perplexing um and I could go on about this for quite some more time but yeah there's a there's a lot to unpack yeah for sure for sure. Maybe we'll pick it up in another episode. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to another episode of Two Girls. And a few thoughts.